Hi, cheers. Barry here again from Shadow the GM podcast. Just wanted to kind of feedback on talking about running the game you want to run as a GM. And again, 100% understand it. I find myself quite a lot thinking about running games that are rules light, ones that have got simpler systems, ones that are more narrative, because that's what I feel players want to play. When in actual fact, games like GURPS, games like Pathfinder, I actually really enjoy playing and running. I like the crunchiness. I like the, you know, the fact that when we're playing GURPS, it was down to second by second, and there was active defence rules and things. And I think I've said it before, but there's a bit of negativity from some areas about people who don't find that as interesting. And I do find myself kind of caving a little bit and thinking, oh, maybe I'm wrong and they're right, which is really stupid to be honest. And I'm talking about myself here that you know I like myself even at my age. <laughs> still think that that would actually actually just accept. Yeah, but that's them, and I like what I like. And you know, I think we do have to sometimes find the way to to run the games we want to run. <laughs> Things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die the Only the brave shall come My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. And I think it will sometimes be hard because you will still find that resistance of the people that, you know, enjoy your games and they find certain systems frustrating. And, you know, I think... The fact is that with the age of online gaming, you're a bit more open to use other things because you will be able to find a bigger base of players than you used to. I think my experience of gaming from small gaming groups is like if people didn't want to play your system, they didn't want to play your system. And I remember a GM who's there that loved GURPS and everyone there hated it, and that did colour my opinion of GURPS before nobody wanted to play it. And so I was kind of put off it by that fact. And I took my brother buying it for some reason to actually play it to realise it wasn't as bad as it's made up. We never told said GM because he was a bit annoying anyway. That's a different story. Um, <coughs> but it was um, it's one of those things that you know I think with online gaming you can find your audience. Sometimes there are people out there if you can get the timings right. For example, I'll play groups with you all day long any day, but it's just trying to get my wife to give me time to play, which is the challenge. So they just want to put that one out there. Hi, Che, it's Barry here from Shadow of the Gym Podcast yet again. Just a message about changing platforms. Um, I'm a Roll20 guy originally, um, and I was kind of anti-switching to Fantasy Grounds. Although, weirdly, I did have a subscription from back in the day before Roll20 ever existed. I've been trying to do online gaming for a long time. Um, it has to be said that with your game, I was kind of forced to take the plunge. And it was kind of one of those things that I resisted, but secretly wanted to try it out, and actually really, really got into it. And I am starting to think about investing more in Fantasy Grounds because... A lot of the integration in there is better than Roll20, I'd say. Roll20 is good, given that you can play it for free, etc. And it has quite a lot of accessibility for free. But the integration on, say, the character sheets is a right pain in the bum sometimes. Like you said, some of the map stuff is really awkward. Try to scale maps is difficult. Even, like, GTO, which is free, does better. Um, and I actually really quite like the way the dice roll mechanisms work and things. So, And the fact you can integrate it for, like, GURPS sake, character sheets can be imported. And importing stuff's really, really kind of handy from Fantasy Grounds point of view. I mean, I suspect from your own message that you know, or your own show that you know that people just are resistant to change and you know people I don't want to say they're scared from change but you know they want to stay with what they're comfortable with it's kind of taking people out of the comfort zone sometimes to change it and it just takes a little bit of progress by progress and there's always going to be technical issues but you know we have technical issues with discord we have it with hangouts we have it with every single thing out there 
and the thing is I'm big enough and ugly enough to kind of look past that I mean we had issues when I was trying to get in front of ground and crashed about three times I was out of the game for a while but actually it didn't put me off it because that happens to me with Roll20 that happens to me with map tools everything crashes on me at some point it's my laptop being useless to be honest more than anything else um, it's not Fantasy Grounds fault but actually the stuff that Fantasy Grounds did I actually really enjoyed and felt it was really useful so I just wanted to say on a supportive thing that you know I wouldn't give up on Fantasy Grounds just because you get some resistance not saying that you, you will do but just want to put that one out there kind and wise words there from barry thank you for calling in man it's really good and uh whilst the quality sometimes on the calls is a little bit ropey i do appreciate all the words so uh please keep calling uh please keep chipping in and i know that um yeah i know that it's sometimes difficult isn't it like um making change and trying new things and all of that i certainly am struggling a lot in the last several weeks um but yeah you're right just keep plugging at it Thanks, Barry. Game on, man. Wednesday. Just spent a very pleasant morning, actually, prepping my Han campaign. Um, got the first uh, group's first adventure starting on Saturday. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of cool. I've, I've kind of come up, I think, with a bit of a setup for a sort of first adventure. Um, I've had a look through all the characters, actually. They've been sort of dotted around for a while. I think one of the players has been very sort of mostly slow in getting that done, but kind of just about there now. Um, you know, I think for one or two players, there's been a bit of a steep learning curve in terms of both being new to GURPS, but I think more than that, actually, is the tech. Um, GURPS character sheet, brilliant piece of free software you can get, but there is a little bit of a learning curve and it depends a bit on people, doesn't it, on their individual skill with computers. And I think, you know, um, I don't know, sometimes I think it's very easy for me to th- uh, to sort of forget that not everyone finds, you know, technical tools, you know, uh, something easy to use. I certainly remember that um, Bob uh, kind of helped me out getting my head around that uh, with an hour or two spent chatting about it one Saturday morning or some months ago. And it was a worthwhile hour. So, um, you know, it's it's not a problem. It's just one of those things where it takes a few days for people to get things together. So I've got five characters, five heroes. No, they're not heroes. <laughs> five characters have been created and I'm um, really looking forward to playing with them. It's a nice group. And I've, I think I figured out hooks into uh, connecting them to this, um, this setup, really. So the situation um, that I've set up, I think... Uh, will at least appeal to the characters. I'm kind of hoping it'll also appeal to the players, but we've had some discussion around the kind of the nature of the game we want to run. So that's good. And I also discovered a few cool things. I discovered some really useful stuff in my copy of Han Master, which although I'm we're using GURPS, I can nick some of the uh, information and tables and things out of there. So that's really, really handy. Um, you know, notably stuff around time and dates and you know, all that kind of stuff that fits with the Harnet calendar and, and the way the, the world works, which I might as well use. It's all good stuff. Um, and I've been loving pouring over my maps and using them as a reference, really, which has been good. And um, it's been nice to sort of do what I did with my uh, Dolmenwood game, where I sort of plotted out the most likely route from A to B and, uh, you know, started to look at what was on that, on that road, which is cool. So, uh, yeah, good morning, really. And I'm, I'm pleased. I've got a little bit tired, so going to have some lunch and... Uh, chill out and um yeah come back to it tomorrow game on friday evening and it's been a pretty positive day i've been 
largely spending my time prepping for Han in the last 24, 48 hours. And um, yeah, it's been interesting. I, I One of those things where I could always have started earlier and it would have probably been a bit better plan, but you know, is what it is. Been looking today about a lot about thinking a lot about how I'm going to prep sort of in a going forward, like the process, if you like. And um, I, I delved back into quite a few resources, uh, had another look at the Lazy Dungeon Master, um, had another pingle through Angry GM stuff, thought about a little bit about from the stuff from the Alexandrian, trying to bring that stuff together, coalesce that together, and sort of create a process for myself, really. Um, and yeah, in one sense, it's quite cumbersome. Um, but actually, when you start working through, you know, it's kind of straightforward. So it's been interesting to sort of get a good way, way part through that prep process, having spent quite a lot of time putting it together. I think that it's one of those pieces of work where having worked on how I want to approach the campaign, I now have a process so I can easily replicate that. Been also playing around with John Ford's campaign logger, which is in a beta for a second version now. And that's been interesting as well, sort of logging uh, key ideas and information. I'm also playing around with John Ford's loopy planning process, which is something that, you know, has been bubbling around, you know, in my mind for a long while to try. So, you know, I had a look at that again today as well. And that's been that's been helpful. So, yeah, a whole kind of load of stuff bubbling around. I can't say a lot about it without spoiling the game. But um, basically hope to get the game going tomorrow night. Uh, first of the two games at Han tomorrow night. And, you know, should be fun. Going to uh, see where it takes us. Game on. Saturday night, about uh, 10 to 11. Finished the game. First game in Han. Webster's Han. Had a really nice time. Really pleasant time. Quite a bit of fun. Um, a slow start, really. I felt like a sort of session 0 0.5, 0 0.9. I don't know. It was session 1, but it was... Um, yeah, a little slow starting, usual kind of thing with um, new group, new players, uh, very various technical issues um, as ever. Nothing huge, but it was enough to slow us down for about 30 minutes. And, um, and yep, we got going. And it's really interesting because, um, yeah, so essentially I set up, uh, set them on a, a bit of a quest with a, with a patron, kind of sending them out to do a task, which is all well and good. But in terms of preparation, um, I kind of wanted to make this comment because by the end of the session, the players had gone into a situation, they were a, a small village, um, and there's rumours of banditry and poaching, perhaps even the taking of animals from the village. And the local reeve is looking to the adventurers um, to perhaps respond because on their way up, they themselves have come across tracks of um, unusual movement of humanoids with perhaps even clawed feet and the players themselves have been talking about oh is this Gargoon is this the Harnik Orcs um, and they're sort of wondering that but it's really interesting to me as GM and I hope it's not too much of a spoiler to any players who are listening but actually all that stuff arose out of a series of random die rolls uh, done in preparation before the game, and I was reading uh, somewhere on the on the great social media 
verse out there. Someone earlier in the week was going on about why do GMs want to roll on weather tables and why do GMs want to roll on random encounter tables? Why not just decide? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, the combination of me rolling on a random weather table and the co- and then with that, combining that with random encounter tables um, and those random encounter tables turning up uh, having themselves some subtables. So I turned up some tracks, spore, or signs of creatures, and I rolled and I found something that I was able to then describe um, in the way that I have. The combination of that with what I would never have chosen the weather to be um, a quite as ve- not it's not hugely variable because the weather system I'm using is very good at kind of moving you between like states that are related but there's been rainfall and the roads have turned muddy and so the tracks are kind of as they were and I was able to describe them in the way they were and actually all of that came out those two or three die rolls led to these descriptive elements that led to something that has actually captured the attention of my players and then in play I had not foreseen this at all but in play, they're having this conversation. Then, when it where it came up in terms of the random encounter role, because I'd pre-generated the encounters, but I hadn't determined when they were going to turn up. And the players had rolled two random encounters during the session, and where they were in combination with this, and where we got to in the session, led to the story we got. And I'd just like to say we wouldn't have got that without those random die rolls and that combination. And those players reacting the way they did. It's a totally unique situation that arose out of play and surprised even me as the game master. And for me, that's what made the game fun. That and the interaction with the guys who are all good people, it makes it really pleasant. So I'm really grateful to them and I'm hoping that we're going to continue playing over the months to come. Game on. This Monday morning is the 1st of June, and um, it's been a weird weekend. Yesterday, I I had incredibly low energy and very little desire to do very much at all. I think I spent something in a region of, uh, I don't know, three or four hours in the afternoon asleep. Uh, Deb and I were both exhausted. And um, I think in no small part that was to do with having spent most of Saturday um, sort of struggling and wrestling with uh, getting ready for my you know, really uh, low-powered and quite intense and incredibly rewarding game in Han. And, of course, I have another one of those in two weeks with a different group. And there's a lot of investment in that particular um, world and approach to gaming that I could have got to. And yet, yesterday, the only thing I really did hobby-wise is I found myself being drawn to pick up a copy of Savage Worlds. And I wrote a, a blog post in the evening when I, I did find some energy after sleeping, just about the tension between those two things. There is an extreme tension in me between um, very extreme ways of playing and different approaches of playing that I've sort of realised. And I realised quite a few things this morning. Um, I sort of scribbled some notes into my daybook because I realised that there is um, something I've been conflating in my hobby for a long while that actually needs pulling apart. And actually, there are there are three strands, possibly even four, um, because I have um, kind of realized that in both of these extremes, there are actually two different strands. Let me try and like put some words to that. 
So I've realized that the, the extremities of my hobby are kind of fairly straightforward. On the one hand, um, and Hahn represents this, I think, there's this desire for other world immersion. Um, and this tends to sort of manifest as pretty lower, lower powered um, realism, um, for want of a better word, uh, and, and fantasy in the longer term as well. It's this desire within me to go and visit a world and to immerse myself within that world with some players. And the pace is slow and the power level is low and it is very much zero to not quite a hero, really. It, I'm not about heroics. It's, not, it's about... Um, experiencing that world and the two strands there the one of them has kind of found its expression so far and that is sort of through Han. but it's also i mean the kinds of worlds i'm talking about here uh they go across different genres as well so i'm really into the idea of historical fantasy for example in the ancient period and i'm really interested in slightly harder sf uh, which i guess traveler sort of represents for me um i'm, I'm also the sort of post-apocalyptic survival fantasies that I have as well, which are about kind of, you know, literally having enough food and water and getting, you know, from A to B alive, that sort of stuff, which I don't think appeals to the vast majority of, of gamers out there. There is a second strand within that, and I think that it is this desire for real full immersion. And I think maybe that that is where my solo sort of feelings come from, because there's this desire to go alone into a world and immerse more fully, which is um, not something I've realized yet, as in brought to reality. Um, I think that solo has two two uses for me, and one of them is learning things, trying out games. It's that self-play thing where you go and figure out how a games, uh, game system works. Um, and as a GM, you try things out. But there is also this thing I've never really done, and I kind of feel drawn towards doing, which is going and playing alone in a fantasy and, and perhaps discovering that world through play uh, is the thing that was triggered in my mind when Greg Stafford wrote in, you know, about 1966, discovering Glorantha. I think within me there is a world that needs discovering or possibly several, but I'm not sure I'm brave enough to go there yet. So that's one extreme if my play, this other world immersion that um, I, I'm drawn to. But at the other extreme, um, and I wrote about this in a blog post yesterday, there's this sort of pulpish cinematic hijinks in the ridiculous worlds of high adventure kind of feel. Um, this generally for me is non-fantasy, although there's nothing stopping it being a fantastic world, I suppose, as in a, a traditional genre fantasy world. But if it was, it would be very high fantasy. Um, but it tends to me for me to be the sort of modern or SF or near future cyberpunky or even post apocalyptic, but in a more you know ridiculous way rather than and I, and I use the word ridiculous not to sort of belittle this approach because I really get excited about it. But where things are just not possible, it's the movie stuff. It's that you know the the sort of not realistic physics really. Um, uh, we're not worried about the details of whether this is, you know, really simulating the world. What we are interested in is just good old rip roaring adventure. Um, now, for me, this is something that has sort of, I've 
not really separated, I think, and not really realised. But I am drawn to these kinds of worlds. So worlds in my mind here, I just wrote, I mean, I ended up writing down about 10 ideas just straight away as soon as I unleashed this definition. Um, so things like, you know, Castle Wolfenstein-esque Nazi super science in World War Two, and obviously the Rifts game system, which I've, I've been drawn to for many years. Um, I think sort of zombie hunting for fun and profit, profit is a real butt-kicking kind of adventure in a zombie post-apocalypse type world. Um, maybe if it was high fantasy, it would be that sort of Dragon Riders and the stuff that I was excited about when I was 14 reading uh, Dragonlance, you know. Um, high-tech cyberpunk is that kind of street punk thing. Um, it's SF with maybe demons and magic mixed in. That's something I really always wanted to do. Um, it's the modern conspiracy horror stuff that I love, the Monster Hunter game, the alien abduction games, I think. I think it's the pulp era action-adventure stuff, you know, 30s, 40s, maybe even the 50s and 60s, spies and all that kind of stuff. And I think possibly, for me, it's even a delve into superhero stuff is something I could even go with. Now, in my mind at the moment, then, GURPS is developing for me as the game which kind of develops that immersion for me in quite a good way, the realism and uh, the longer-term play. Yes, that's that's definitely delivering that for me. And I think that I prefer lower to middle points games. Um, although, you know, I, I know that it can emulate this other stuff we're talking about. I just think that actually in a lot of ways, these games, there's one of the big difference in my mind here is the longer term I talked about with other world immersion games like Khan and actually quite short term. Now, this is one interesting is I'm not a big fan of one shots, but I kind of developed this term in my head of the short shot. Um, and what I mean is probably a short run adventure or series of adventures that actually is quickly picked up that you could kind of like put together pretty quickly on the fly uh, without a heck of a lot of you know, deep detail prep. And the game, you need a game engine that can just do that quickly um, and play quite quickly and at high pace. And of course, the two games that kind of appeal to me on this on this grounds are, I think Savage Worlds does this, and I'm looking at the Adventure Edition, which is what I was reading yesterday, um, if I didn't mention that earlier. But also I think the Cypher system from Monty Cook Games also intrigues me in this, and because there are two different itches there. So having just actually talked about Polish cinematic hijinks, I think there are two sort of directions in my taste um, now, one of them is more to my taste and more to my experience. And I think Savage Worlds appeals on this grounds because it kind of, by default, involves the tabletop miniature integration. And it scratches the tabletop skirmish gamer in me, that itch that I have. And this would suit games that are like high action and probably combat focused and have the more pulpy feel combined with the option for tactical combat that I enjoy so much. Um, I think that's where my butt kicking and um yeah that sort of step on up gaming kind of would would find its expression and that's what i'm interested in exploring quite quickly i think just to find out if i'm right but i also think that the cypher system offers something else because i'm really drawn in the cypher system to the character design approach um you are um an adjective noun who verbs really appeal to me as a simple approach to characters and Cypher System doesn't do tabletop sort of miniature stuff by default. It actually does quite theatre of the mind, which I think might well be suited for something that's a little bit more narratively focused for me, perhaps even more thematic, um, where there'll be perhaps less combat 
and more investigation and more um, character interaction and more social interaction. And that would really sort of perhaps be a little bit more genre enforcing in a way. I don't know. Um, I don't quite know what I mean by that term at this point. But yeah, it might suit this sort of investigative games that I like. Um, perhaps the modern conspiracy stuff, for example, might find a better expression through cipher. Whereas, I don't know, Rift certainly will find his expressions in Savage Worlds. That's been done. But also I think kind of like, you know, that sort of Wolfenstein, Nazi super science raids on, uh, on the bunker kind of stuff would find expression in Savage Worlds. So these are my thoughts anyway. Um, and I feel like I'm beginning to witter. So I'm just going to leave it there. But the, today this is where I found energy. As I go back to work on June the 1st, as in back to kind of finishing the school holiday and discovering whether I'm going to have to return to school from the 15th, um, these are the thoughts that are bubbling in my hobby. So I thought I would share them with you. Game on. All right, it's Monday night and I couldn't resist. Doug Cole, um, who's been on this podcast many times to interview with us and I no doubt will come again. He's got his more perilous journeys Kickstarter up uh, for the fantasy trip. And if you're in any way a fan of the fantasy trip, you've got to go check that out on Kickstarter. Um, he's got five adventures like 20 quid for five in pdf and um the covers oh my goodness the covers that's what kind of finally did it for me same artist doing all of them and they're absolutely glorious and i don't normally do this kind of plugging of kickstarters you know that right but they're lovely and the adventures look great and the writers as well you know he's got really really great kind of bunch you've got a uh, christopher um, rice and ed tremlett and um they've done like one two three of them you've got david pulver doing two others and it's just i mean these are real names from the sort of uh steve jackson and i guess the gurps community really so just so pleased to um be able to support it and i think it's finishing on the 13th of june it's kind of so close to funding um but really great to help Doug over the line. So if you've got any interest in the fantasy trip, please consider going and checking that out on Kickstarter. Game on. (laughs) 